Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey everybody, welcome to Better Let Me Tell You. Uh, this is Ish. And this is DJ. And uh, I think before we even go anywhere into topics or anything like that, just a huge, huge thank you to everybody. Muchas, muchas gracias. Oh my god, I don't even have words. O sea, you guys have been fantastic in Instagram, Facebook, listening, and just being giving us comments and i really thought that the only people who were going to listen to us were you know a couple of our friends because they had to and yeah. some of our family and they're going to be like but we've actually gotten um a considerable amount of feedback from people who are not our closest friends and family yes. just the public yes and it's been pretty positive so yeah and i think um one of the things that we were talking about is there's people who are not cuban you know, and our, our concern was obviously like, well, we don't want to be so niche, you know, right. that, that we only appeal to a certain background or culture. And we're getting all across the board. People just saying it's, you know, it's enjoying it. They enjoy it. It's entertaining. It's relatable. We want to go global on this shit. Well, after all, Pitbull, who's from Miami and Cuban American, it is called Mr. 305, is also called Mr. Worldwide. So that's true. Should we then call ourselves Mr. 786? No. <laughs> 786, 786 is to 305, like... Like 212 and... No, uh, nine, it's 917, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 917 is to 212. Yeah. I mean, nobody's from New York and wants to be a 917. Uh, uh. Everybody wants to be a 212. <laughs> yeah. So Wasn't that a whole thing on Sex and the City? It was a whole thing. In the movie. In the movie. In the movie when she, for some reason, horse-faced through her uh, her phone in the ocean in Cabo or whatever. Actually, now that we brought that up, because that was totally... <laughs> Agenda of what we For the record, I never know what the agenda is. He always has the topics more or less and then mm-hmm. surprises me with them. So. Vamos a ver. It, 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 it happened now in the last few days, so maybe by the time this is uploaded, it's done, but whatever. Um, what's this whole fight between Kim Cattrall oh. and Sarah Jessica Parker? I actually, you know what? I've never, 
been a huge fan of Sarah Jessica Parker. I don't dislike her at all. I just want to put that out there. I don't dislike her. I don't have a problem with her. Carrie Bradshaw annoyed me. Oh, to no end. Uh, it did. She did. Uh, I was. It, it, I was. It, it, team, Americana Americana. I was Team Aiden. <laughs> I was Team Aiden. Uh, but anyway, that's a whole. So other I have to be Team Kim just to put it out. And I've always liked Kim Cattrall because of Mannequin and all that. You right. know, she's a, such a beautiful right. woman. Right. Well, you know, she's as, Canadian. I mean, as you know, um, one of our favorite Kim Cattrall performances is her five minutes in Crossroads, starring Britney Spears, <laughs> and. I actually tweeted something a couple like about a year and change back saying, you know, oh, am I the only one who gets the vibe like, oh, Kim Cattrall does not like Britney Spears? And Kim Cattrall actually tweeted back at me saying, you know... So you've had a moment? I've or- had an interaction with Kim Cattrall. So I have to be so team, team Kim. Kim. I have to. Team Kim. I have to. But anyway, um, so... That's totally off topic. So Sarah Jessica Parker, I'm sorry, Kim Cattrall's brother um, was missing and unfortunately he was uh, found dead. Um, And Sarah Jessica Parker kind of extended an an olive branch and kind of of gave, you know, a very one-liner on, I don't know, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, saying, you know, I'm here for you, I'm sorry for your loss, whatever. Yeah, like, I don't think she sent una corona de flore. But Kim Cattrall shoots back with, you know, you're a hypocrite, you're not my friend, you're not my family, and leave me alone in this time of, of grief. Of, of grief. grief. And when I first heard that, I thought, nah, that's a lie. But no, it was true, because I actually looked it up in her official account, and I gotta say that as much as I like Kim Cattrall, I, I can't be on her with this one, because I just think, she, you know, even if there's bad blood between the two of them and even if it's very justified I think that putting that out publicly to that extent is a little too much while I would normally agree with you I also think there's a lot of stuff we don't know I mean we don't know the consequences of, of her brother's passing and things like that and so the and I've never lost a sibling you've never lost a sibling so the stress of that yeah knock on wood I mean we, we both have siblings um but the stress of that alone, you know, who knows what kind of mindset she's in. Just the stress of losing someone puts you in a certain mindset. And then if there are certain stressful factors on top of that. I was a little bit surprised because she's always been a very classy person. <clears throat> Kim Cattrall, you don't really yeah. ever hear anything no, gossipy true. about her or controversial. So This was what puso la tapa pom. La tapa pom. La tapa pom. I mean, she was, she was like, you know what? Guess what? Pride this week is over. Yeah, exactly. Let's quote Michelle Tanner there. Season four of Full House. Oh man, if you got that reference, <laughs> then we can be friends. <laughs> that's what this. But anyway, so yeah, that's really out there this week, and yeah. I, I just, it's I thought like it was, yesterday. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was really weird. She really shot back with some really, really mean words. So, anyway, now that we've, um, let's get back on track here. Yeah. Uh, pero, what do you have to tell me then about support animals? Okay. <laughs> Again, this has been in the news probably by the time this is posted. It'll be about uh, three, four weeks. So. Recently, there have been two stories. The first story about support animals was this woman with uh, United Airlines. She was flying, I believe, out of New York, out of Newark. And it's not only that she was taking her support animal with her, she had bought two seats on the plane. So one for her, one for the support animal. Now, aside from the fact that animals don't sit next to you on the plane, (laughs) this woman's support animal was a peacock. Un pavo real, people. Let me reiterate that. You know, like the the song from El Puma? Chévere, 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 chévere. Chévere, chévere. For the record, though, El Puma would be an acceptable support animal to take with you on the plane. He's kind of human. He's a person. 
Okay, let's start with that. ¿Tú sabes lo que es un pavo real que se siente contigo en un avión? You know what I was thinking about? I mean, when you you're like, there, when you're there, like, you're boarding, like calling group one, yeah. group two, and you know, all of a sudden you walk in and there's this woman just sitting there, like, no, no, no. What I find funny <laughs> is that eh, si el pavo real, el pajarriaco ese está ahí en, en el seat. Is he, <laughs> is he with the plumage all open? Oh, or is the plumage closed? How do you put a seatbelt on, on the peacock? What do you do if that airbag thing falls down? How do you how do you I pressurize just, I just the thought peacock? about that, that Katy Perry song. I want to see your peacock. I want to see you. Apparently this woman took it to the next level. Well, you so, know, maybe the maybe her airfare was being paid by NBC. <laughs> Sorry. Doom, Sorry. Doom, doom. Doom, doom. Yeah. Then we have another story of some other crazy ass human being. Who their support animal was a hamster, and they were going to take it with them again flying. But a hamster, at least you could put it in the little box. And okay, but and this one I'm not too keen on the details, so I apologize. But she was basically, I mean, she was going to fly with it, and they told her like, "Look, you can't take it with you. I mean, it's a live animal. You can't pass it through that X-ray machine at TSA. Like, you know what?" So she flushed the hamster. She got rid of the hamster. Wait, 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 hold on. She flushed. I think she I, flushed I'm, her support animal. She flushed her support animal, which brings me to my conclusion. Que, you know, thank you. Which brings me to mismo. my conclusion. O sea, que support animal, support animal, caballero. If you flush it down, the, if you're that tied to your support animal, she flushed her support animal down the. Yep. Yep. And listen, she was flying Spirit. I understand Spirit nickel and dimes you. So, you know, maybe they wanted to charge her for, like, you know, Man, that would be $150 <laughs> exactly. for that support animal. <laughs> exactly. But my point with these support animals is, like, okay, number one, a hamster. If it was really a support animal, you wouldn't have flushed it. Because then that would have just caused a whole panic in your system, right? Great. A peacock is not a support animal. Have you ever met a peacock? Have you ever seen a peacock in the wild? Actually, it's funny that you say that because where I live now, there's some a bunch of there's a family of peacocks that run okay. wild. When I use the word wild, they are wild. They will chase you. <laughs> they will squawk at all hours of the night, and they will shit everywhere and everywhere without thinking about it. Chibere, I mean, chibere, chibere, chibere. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I wish it did that. <laughs> These are not three qualities I look for in something that's going to support me. Now that we're talking about this, I always wondered, and maybe I'll look up the lyrics. Why was El Puma... Okay, so obviously, okay, if, you come from, background, if you come from a Hispanic background, you know right. who El Puma José Luis Rodríguez is. Right. I mean, come on. Uh, yeah. he's, a, he's a very famous Venezuelan um, singer, singer and he was... Ex- I mean, he, he's, he's iconic, but he was very, very famous. He was probably in the prime of his fame, if you will, um, in the 70s and 80s. So right. growing up, you know, he was always on TV. Yeah. He was the, in the prime of what I like to call the, the musical genre... Peluqueria rock. Peluqueria rock. Which is basically all of these acts like um, Puma, Pandora, Pimpinela, that you would always hear when you would go to a Hispanic beauty salon, La Peluqueria. Also called Una Unisex. Una Unisex, exactly. So I've, I've, I have playlists actually created called Peluqueria Rock. Right. Which, which he had, which is one of his most famous songs, he had a song called Pavo Real, which in, in Spanish is Peacock. And, I don't know why he had a song called Peacock. Well, because okay, so think about it. for those of you who know who Puma is, you can picture you're picturing the, the the quaff of hair already. Think of all the plumage on the peacock, mm-hmm. you know, and the male is the one that has the prettier you know plumage mm-hmm. and all that. The, the peahen is hideous. I mean, mm-hmm. if you've ever seen a peahen, by a panta. Okay, now so, that we've now my, my whole thing with the support animals, I mean, just is I don't believe it. 
I don't okay, but let me ask you this to though. a degree of where it's like. But let me ask you this though, seriously. Um, it, do you think that do you think support animals should be allowed on planes? And if they should, do you believe that there should be a cap in terms of or limitation in terms of what support animals are? Like you know, only a dog and a cat. Um, I think there should be. There should be some type of... <laughs> snakes? There should be some snakes on a plane. As long as you don't have um, Lawrence, Fitt, not Lawrence Fitt, Samuel Jackson on the plane with you, you should be fine. There should be a cap. And here's the thing. I genuinely know about like three people who have quote-unquote support animals. And they're dogs. So. Mm-hmm. And they've said it. Oh, I went and got my doctor to say it's a support animal so that I can travel mm-hmm. with the dog with no questions asked or whatever. Right. Now, again... It's like everything. The minute that you that you expand it and you just allow everybody to do stuff, right. it, it kind of gets out of hand. There are people out there who I think legitimately need these animals for their emotional and well-being, right? Okay. If you are able to leave your house every day and go to work at 7 a.m. and not come back until 10 o'clock at night and function and do your groceries and all that stuff, you don't need a support animal. You just don't. And obviously, with this one with a peacock, I guarantee you that she's not walking into, you know, Publix or Safeway or Kohl's or wherever the hell she goes, you know, with a peacock on a leash. Mm-hmm. And just like, oh, don't mind my peacock. That's just my <laughs> emotional support you peacock. You know, I have to say that now that we were talking about... I've never said the name peacock, the word peacock this much in my life. La uh, Peluqueria Rock. <laughs> and we were talking about how Spanish... Um, um, beauty parlors in the 80s were called unisex you know they were ahead of their time in terms of this gender fluidity they were the original gender fluid unisex you know nobody questioned it you went in there you were a man you're a woman I mean you didn't pee in the beauty salon chair but um, um, one of he he wasn't related to us but he was a very close family friend who was like family Mm -hmm. he owned he owned the peluqueria there on Bird Road in 112 um, by my parents' house. Anyway, well, that's where we used to go cut our hair, and it was called Unisex 2000. <laughs> oh! <laughs> that sounds like a Roger Corbin so, film. So, you know, in the 80s, when I would go cut my hair there as a kid, he was, I mean, he was all up on the millennium, and he was all up on, you know, this gender fluidity we have now. Unisex. Was there a lot of silvers and blues? No, actually, his, um, his... Uh, the decor. Sh- his shop inside was Roman Roman themed. That's not very two thousand. No, it had a lot of columns and a lot of um, formica faux marble. <laughs> How do you do formica and marble? Oh, formica, like, you know, formica. Uh, your kitchen countertops. Okay, yeah, but right. marble like design. Design. Yeah. So. Okay, anyway, so moving right along. Oof, that's an interesting one. Yeah, we talked about peacocks, unisex, and um, <laughs> and, and, and puma. <laughs> So, actually, something that I think would be uh, is a great topic for um, our show and uh, a lot of our listeners <laughs> would enjoy is the whole um, controversy. It, controversy. This controversy has been going on for a while, but I think it's it's kind of relevant to at well, the least... best controversies always have legs. That's true. Uh, between Havana Club Rum. Dude, I was literally going to tell you about that. Okay. So... Okay. This is, again, this is kind of scary because I literally wrote that down this morning. So about Havana and I, Club Rum. Havana Club Rum, and I was gonna tell you, hey, maybe we should talk about this. So we, I didn't mention that to you. At all. Okay. So um, this is why we've known each other for twenty years. <laughs> so anyway, let's give a little bit of a background. So Havana Club Rum, as many of you may know, uh, it's it's a brand of rum mm-hmm. here in the United States. It's um, distributed and produced by Bacardi, right. but in the rest of the world. It's distributed um, by a French company, which Pernod, is Pernod Ricard, right? Which is the same company that makes uh, Grey Goose and right. an array of other um, liquors. 
So basically what's going on right now, and it's very interesting because it's it's very much a legal fight. And, you know, this obviously has to do with the back, uh, the history of Cuba and, and the whole revolution. Como siempre, communism is communism. in the middle of everything. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's, Cuba, all, it's all about communism. It's all about communism. And, you know, generally when issues like this arise, I personally try to see them in the most unbiased way possible because coming from a Cuban household and, you know, growing up with a certain rhetoric, you, you know, you see things a certain way. And I always try to be as unbiased as I can and try to see things for myself and down the middle. So I've certainly tried to approach this situation with that. So pretty much this is what's going on. So Havana Club Rum was a rum that existed in Cuba in the 1930s. And it was produced by the Archevala family. Mm -hmm. Okay, yep. so there was a, this. They were a, a Cuban family from Cardenas, Cuba, which is actually where my grandmother's from. Oh, yeah. And um, she, they produced Havana Club Rum. Have you All ever right? had Havana Club Rum from Cuba? I know you're, you're not big. You're not a big drinker, but have you ever no. had it? Like nobody's ever brought it. No, like a sip. No, it's really good. Okay. Like I've had it f like from Cuba, mm -hmm. and it's it's potent. Traitor. It's po listen. I am equal opportunity alcoholic. Okay. So anyway, so the Archibala family produced Havana Club rum, uh, and in 1959, when the Cuban Revolution happened, their distillery, like everything else in Cuba, <laughs> was seized by the government, and it was nationalized. And like most people that had businesses and and property in Cuba, they were. Um, you know that they they were then kind of hunted by the now government and dictatorship in Cuba, and one thing led to another. And like most people, they they had to leave mm -hmm. immediately thereafter, and they came to the United States. They came to the United States again. It's your typical immigrant story, without a penny to their name, right. um, and completely, you know, with nothing. But the knowledge of how to make this rum. Right. Well, they had the recipe. That's what I'm saying, the knowledge. So they they, the they knowledge. came without a penny to their name, but, so, but they came here with this. No so money. nothing happened for a while. And then they actually had a trademark here in the U.S. Oh, I didn't know. They had trademarked Havana Club rum in the U.S., but they, you know, uh, when they moved here to, the United, to Miami or to the United States, they... I mean, they didn't have any money. The last thing on their mind was at that point in time, you know, reviving the, yeah, the rum. Yeah. They just had to, they had to get food. They had to, they had to meat. Right. Right. So <clears throat> come in about the mid seventies, they had filed a patent once upon a time. The patent had expired. When the patent expired here in the U.S., um, Havana Club Rum, but now in Cuba, they fought the Cuban government because the Cuban government nationalized the original distillery. The Cuban government with the French company went and filed a patent here in the in, US in the US okay not globally not well it was a global okay. yes but okay. it, they did it through the US patent office anyway um so they filed the patent and they started producing Havana club rum okay so it was the Cuban government along and, and one is one is called Havana Club Rum and the other one's just called Havana Club right i think it's no, they're both Havana club oh they're, they're both okay, Havana okay. club so they started producing the rum so here comes in Bacardi. So Bacardi, a lot of people think it's a Puerto Rican company, but in reality, it's Geographic a Cuban company. <laughs> so what happened with Bacardi was that Bacardi was a Cuban distillery. Um, it was founded in Cuba, mm -hmm. but the difference was that Bacardi had assets all over the all over the Caribbean, and their second largest distillery was in Puerto Rico. Right. right? So when the the Castro regime. Uh, nationalized their distillery, Bacardi's distillery, and took their distillery in Cuba, then they just 
transferred all their operations yeah, to... they picked up and, and moved. To and, Puerto Rico. Right. <laughs> Same difference, by the way. <laughs> Puerto Rico and Cuba. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I don't have an issue with it. I know some Cubans will just be like, don't you dare call me anything other than Cuban. But at the end of the day, we're still saying, eh, son dos plumas de mismo pájaro. Yeah. I mean, it is. And, you know, let's throw DR in there as well. Because, yeah. quite frankly, the three of us, those three countries in the Caribbean, Listen, have so much more in common. We all eat, as I, as I say, we all eat... Um, uh, the mofongo, oh my God, but we call it Cubans call it fufu, fufu the plátano. Right Puerto Ricans Puerto call Rican. it mofongo, right. and Dominicans call it mango. It's the same. It's the same thing. <laughs> for all of us to eat. So with you know what? Delicious oh, with delicious chicharrones arriba. Oh, dude, that's so good. Anyway, oh. so Bacardi obviously lives to see die another day <laughs> and, and um oh, in, 19, in 1974 the archibaldo family sells their recipe mm -hmm. to bacardi and bacardi starts um manufacturing you know, and manufacturing and havana club rum mm -hmm. now because of the u.s embargo against cuba havana club rum from the one that's made in cuba cannot be sold here but it is sold around the world and bacardi um, sells the their version or the original version of Havana Club Rum here in the U.S. So since this happened, there's been a huge legal dispute as Not to who owns Havana Club Rum. So on one hand, you have the Bacardi and the original um, producers of the rum, who it's their recipe, their res their distillery and their business was taken away by the government, so it's not like they sold it. It was taken right. and seized by the government, and they legally did sell their recipe to Bacardi. And then on the other hand, you have Havana Club Rum, who obtained right. the distillery you know, Pernod Ricard is a is I mean, it's a legit company, right? But the, we're not talking right. About but the way that the it was seized by the Cuban government, and the Cuban government then joined correct but right. the thing is i mean they bought it from the quote-unquote owner i mean at the time right but from a legal standpoint though that's not necessarily valid because legally if you purchase something that was stolen. stolen that doesn't necessarily mean that the person that it was stolen from doesn't have a claim of theft and conversion so it's like conversion. it's like pawn shop rules okay. well, well yeah when people steal if you steal something you go you fence it and then somebody find. I mean, technically, it still belongs to the person who. So the question who is: from. the question is, and this is this has been going on in court forever. The question is, who owns Havana Club Rum? Because the Cuban, the current Cuban version of it, you know, their whole shtick is that Havana Club Rum is Cuban. Their rum is made from Cuban sugar cane right. that is produced in crop. You know, the crops it's are authentic. in Cuba. It's authentic. It's it's. Um, it's made in Cuba, whereas the other one is made in Puerto Rico. Again, same difference, but technically it's not Cuba. So it's who owns it. And and there's a, I mean, there's a very like passionate argument that people are very up in arms about. Well, and one of the so, reasons I think... So who owns it? Well, I think one of the reasons that it's come to the forefront recently is also that... Um, so Havana Club, the one by Bacardi, has created this actually very beautiful campaign. I don't know if you've seen their, their marketing campaign to promote the fact. Um, I can't remember the exact name of the, the campaign now, but it's essentially saying to a degree that you don't have to be... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Made in Cuba to be Cuban. And I think as I sit here across from you and me, you know what I mean, and all of our friends and, and just living in Miami, I think there's a certain beauty to that mm -hmm. that... You know, culturally, you ask me what I am, I'm Cuban, you know, and it's just, it, and that's who I am. I wasn't made there. Um, I like to joke that I was made in America with Cuban parts because both my parents were born in, in the island. But it becomes a matter of, is it a cultural thing? You know, are they trying to appeal from a cultural perspective? And does culture trump, no pun intended, um, you know, geography, essentially? Well, but, but I think, because I think a, it's. I think from a commercial standpoint, I think that. There's different rules because, for example, and, and for those of you who are unfamiliar with the campaign, definitely seek it out. They've gotten a bunch of um, a bunch of <coughs> Cuban exiles and Cuban Americans to 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 work on it. Actually, the voice and the the face of it is um, Raúl Esparza, who's a Tony-nominated actor, and he actually was on for six seasons on Law and Order SVU. Oh, him, yeah, as as ADA Barba, yeah, and he actually this week was his last episode. But um, it's just it's beautiful. It's him kind of walking through. Um, you know oh, this this landscape. No, no, no. But he was also on Hannibal. Things did not end well for him on Hannibal. Oh, they ended a little better for him on SVU. <laughs> anyway, listen. He went from playing on Broadway, uh, starring in Taboo as Boy George's boyfriend, to Hannibal to SVU. So you know, it's quite a trajectory. Um, but anyway, check it out. But from a commercial standpoint, you know, is that really relevant? Because, for example, as as when I was doing a little bit of research on this, I came upon Arizona Tea is not made in Arizona. <laughs> There's no Outback Steakhouse in Australia. There's no Outback Steakhouse in Australia. <laughs> Trust me, I've been to Australia and I've met Australians. And, and, and another thing, Australians don't say another shrimp on the bobby. <laughs> they, they don't eat Drover platters. No, they don't have Alice Springs chicken. No, Alice Springs no, chicken. Uh, Outback Steakhouse is a completely Americanized <laughs> fictional thing. So from a commercial Next you'll tell me there's no Olive Garden in Italy. Actually, it's funny that you say that. Do you remember a few years ago, and we're veering off a little bit off course here, but remember a few years ago, they, Olive Garden had a, a commercial that is said that it was like a, a contest mm -hmm. that right. you could win a week on their culinary institute yes, in yes. Tuscany. Do you know they don't have a culinary institute in Tuscany? Oh, no, they don't. What they do is that um, every year for like... I don't know, the top grossing managers or okay. or whatever of, of different Olive Garden... Right, right. Um, meets their, their goals for Meets the year, their right? quotas or whatever, the different general managers of, of different restaurants uh, throughout the country. They'll fly them over to whatever area in the Tuscan region of um, Italy, and they'll kind of rent a kitchen and... Just have them go And be it. like, oh, this is the Olive Garden Culinary Institute. <laughs> I'd still go. Listen, as long as they have unlimited soup and breadsticks, I'm in. Mm, and lasagna. Okay. Anyway, but so from a yeah, from a commercial standpoint, is it really relevant that it's not? And again, you know, it comes down to 
who really authenticated this and who really well, not authenticated who really uh, who's created true, it who's the owner, true owner uh, right was right. a true owner so i mean again I, I try to see this as unbiased as possible in in my humble opinion and coming from a little bit of a well you I, got a legal background i, I may so. know a thing or two about law right um i think it's they are the owners of it they created it now what's a little bit complicated is what's a little bit complicated we're also is, not dealing with a quote-unquote regular or typical government so it's not as if you can go to a court in the right. traditional sense what also complicates it a little bit was that the cuban government who was very smart in this they they picked up the um the patent when there's expired Okay. So that is what they kind of did it by the books. Yes, that's what. And there's there's been other things like Congress passed the the Bacardi Act um, some years ago. Yes, to protect. Uh, yeah. Is it, that when everybody gets to drink after they pass a motion? No, I'm in. I am so. No, they in. passed the Bacardi Act, and um, and uh, it was it was kind of the it, the the Bacardi Act, if if I'm not mistaken, was passed by Congress, and it was done kind of to protect Bacardi in this. In this of litigation, situation. but basically, it was pre it pretty much covered all Cuban um, intellectual property or businesses that was seized really? by the government. Yes. And so, what does that establish exactly? I mean, obviously, it can only be enforced so much. Uh, clearly, because well, it establishes a few things. Because, for example, there's a hotel in Havana. Hotel Nacional. No, it's not hotel. It's El Riviera, I think. Oh. Which is still. Where they filmed Glow. <laughs> no, that's Riviera Las Vegas, which has been demolished. Yes, and we no longer have glow thanks to Piazadora. Well, we have to bring Piazadora. We have to. Argument. I feel like I wait. Why? Because she was married to the guy who I think co-owned. Oh, but the you're glow. talking about the original Glow. Yeah, not yeah, 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 yeah. Glow. No, 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 not the one on Netflix. No, 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 no. Like Glow, like yeah. And apparently, she didn't like that her husband was getting a little chummy with some of the girls or what have you. So with the farmer's daughter. With the far, well, it might have been farmer's daughter. Maybe it was you know Mountain Fiji. We don't know what his taste <laughs> ran through. Um, and so it became kind of one of those either you pull a plug on this or I, or I leave you or what have you. Whatever. Anyway, so um, this Bacardi Act protect all government, all, all intellectual property and um, um, trademarks and businesses that were seized by the Cuban government. So the Hotel Riviera was, I believe that the owners were American, I believe. But the point was that the Riviera was seized by the government, like all property was, uh, by the Cuban, uh, by the Castro regime. And um, they actually are trying to get the hotel when, you know, Obama changed the the laws a mm -hmm. few years ago in terms of the Cuban trade. Right. Um, they actually filed uh, some paperwork in court oh, okay. to try to get the hotel back. So it would be a first. So who knows what's going to happen? So, but yes, Havana Club Rum. Who knew? Who knew? And I mean, again, it's just it's just an example of things that are such a just a constant part of, of our lives, and not just ours, but I mean yours as well, dear listeners. You're listening. <laughs> yeah, but you know that's something that unless you know about that, you probably had never really thought well, about. Well, who it. stops to think about even who owns you know Grey Goose? I mean, let's take it a step further. Like all we know is oh, it's Grey Goose, and I mean I've had the 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 pleasure of working on several spirit brands in, in my, you know, my my day job. So I know how all these things work and I know it's a very competitive competitive category, the spirit category. And they're always looking for some type of differentiator. Mm -hmm. And I think that by latching onto something cultural, um, you know, I think Havana Club Bacardi is, is onto something. And also I just want to say Bacardi is like literally down the street from where we're recording this. <laughs> beautiful downtown Coral Gables. <laughs> um, Anyways, so... 
Anyway, moving right along, the Olympics. Did you see the opening ceremony? I did not. I know you did, because oh. you're a huge Olympophile. Uh, I, I don't sure know that's am. a word, I just made it up. Sure am. See how much money I've spent on on just <laughs> books, memorabilia, the like mascots. <laughs> Is, did Adriana go to the Olympics? I don't know. We have a friend who who works for Telemundo, and actually every year, every, every four years, when he goes to an Olympics, um, Darren, Darren pretty much tells him like, "Hey, listen, here's your budget. Get just me, everything, get you me can. whatever this supermarket sweep. That yeah, shit. just whatever this buys you, just." Grab it. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, a thimble and a fly swatter. I'll love it because it's the Olympics. <laughs> um, so I, I read something. I didn't see it. Um, but I read something that there was a, a, a historic handshake between North and South Korea. Historic. They came in. They came in both. It's getting a lot of attention right now because of the time we're in. Um, but North and South Korea has walked in together many times before. Okay. As recently as 2006. So this is not in together as in as one day. as one Korea. Oh, yes, okay. they've done this before. This oh, is not okay. the first time. Uh, in this particular Olympics, what they did was that they all walked in together, but they had they didn't have neither of their respective flags. They had a white flag with the shape of Korea, of both Koreas. Aww. So that's the flag that they're competing under. Um, so I mean that's great. I mean, it's, I mean, it's nice. It's I better mean, than it's, nothing. It could be worse, but you know. <laughs> but it's funny because um, Kim Jong Un sister was there. Okay, you know she was in the diplomatic box. Okay, so obviously she got a lot of coverage. Y estaba ahí sentada como una tranca. Ella no se reía ni nada porque ella sabe que si se ríe el hermano. It's sending her to the firing squad. All right, so I, I'm going to take a step back right now because I, I, man, the Cuban really just came out of me there. But yeah, I, anybody who's ever called you Cubano arrepentido is so off. Like that's just. That, Pero chico, it, that you got, you got to, you got to look at it. Tenía una cara de tranca. For those of you who don't know what cara de tranca means, I don't know if I want to tell you or if I want to ask you to go Google it. And so you can be pleasantly surprised. Okay, let's just say that cara de tranca is a very... I'm going to keep this completely PG. Is a really extreme version of resting bitch face. Sure, but I, I say Google it. I say Google it. Cara de tranca with a C. Come to think about it. You know, that whole resting bitch face that people talk about now. Oh, I have resting bitch face. Like if that's something positive. Right. That Cubans or Hispanics have been talking about resting bitch face forever. Porque cara de tranca, I've been hearing that since I have recollection. You know? pioneers, yo. pioneers. Mira fulana con esa cara de tranca. Mira fulano. And then, you know, now everybody's like, oh, man. Oh, look at RBF. RBF. Oh, I have RBF. It's a go. Also, F yourself with your RBF. Also, RBF, not something to aspire to. Yeah, that's and, no, and most people who go around saying they have RBF do not have RBF. <laughs> okay? It's like people who go out of their way to be like, I'm so trendy. I'm so trendy. I'm like, no, you're not trendy. Trendy so, people um, say they're trendy. So that's up there with, uh, let's see. What's that joke? What do CrossFitters, people that go to Coachella and vegans, and vegans have, have in common? common? <laughs> no, wait. How do you know? How do you know somebody who's either vegan, goes to CrossFit, or Coachella? Oh, don't worry. They'll tell you. <laughs> Repeatedly. It's just like, yo, shut up. I don't care. Good for you and your wad. You know, <laughs> go, go take your wad and blow it out I your remember ass. when I tried to do um, CrossFit for like two minutes <laughs> when I lived down... Because when I lived downtown... And there was a downtown CrossFit was a block away, right. and I was like, "Oh, you know." I always wanted to try it. That's that's right before I got into powerlifting. Okay, um, I was like, 
let me just try it because you know listen if robert's into it you know right and he's we have a very good friend yeah super good actually there's like two blocks down from here and you know if he's into it and he believes in it i believe in it and he's been doing it for years he's been to doing his it for credit, years. robert's been doing it before it was quote unquote trendy. right and he's a great guy and he's you know he's very smart so i was like if it's good enough for him let me you know right. and when i came in there i'm like at least in the downtown one right, right. i'm like First of all, everything has an acronym, right? <laughs> the place where you do the CrossFit is called the box. That's true, yes. right? And then you have your wad, and I'm like, what is this? Like dick wad? Like what the? F- like what? What's this wad? I love that you won't go into the explicitness of Caratranca, but you've just said dick wad. Dick wad. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell's the wad? <laughs> like, am I supposed to know it's workout of the day? And and it's all like very clicky and yeah, it's, and it's, you know how I am about clicks. I just aside from our click, you don't like any. Yeah, of them. it's like <laughs> I want to run as fast as I can from anything that perceives to be a click or a label or a group or you know uh, whatever. So, <laughs> so I, I was like, CrossFit is not for me. Leave me no. lifting heavy things. But I do want to try it. I do want to give it a shot because I've never done it. And, I I'm, could, and I'm that guy who I want to give things a shot before I, I start talking you, shit about it. I could see you enjoying it more than I can. Really? Yeah, I can. I could see you. Because I like tank tops it. more. You like tank tops more, and I think you're more communal. <laughs> what the hell does that even mean? I'm more communal. I don't know. You're more like, like a porta potty. You're more <laughs> like, hey, everyone. You know, like yeah. I, I don't know. I'm more like leave me the f alone. Like I don't care. But see, I'm like that at the gym. I'm very anti the world at the gym. It's like I no no no. It's like. I don't want to sit at your table. I want to burn down your table because I don't really give a flying... I know, but what if they have something really yummy at the table? What if it's a buffet table? Okay, it's not a buffet table. You would not have been good at the first Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) We weren't in the first Thanksgiving. It was European... Well, we were not in the first Thanksgiving. Yeah. Listen, no. We like... Cubans like to insinuate ourselves into every part of history, but, you know, historical fact is historical fact. Yeah. We were not at the first we Thanksgiving. Not. You know what I we love? Not yet, you know, I love... Okay, uh, so obviously... The, the balsam method, yeah. So obviously, everybody... What, what what number are we in, by the way? We are at about uh, 35 minutes. Oh, we have change. all the time in the world. Yeah. And so Cubans, like all nationalities think they are the best in whatever. And nothing better exemplified the whole all nationalities is my big fat Greek wedding. Yeah. Like, if you watch that movie, everybody, whether you're Greek, Italian, Cuban, Mexican, whatever, everybody related to For it. For Cubans, my big fat, fat Greek wedding is completely accurate. Yeah. Completely. Look, I the, switch out uh, index the, with Vaporu. No. Switch out the goat con un lechon. Con un lechon. Right. right. Those two things. That's and, the only difference. That's it. We would, be, we would have been roasting a pig, not a goat. Right. And instead of Windex, it would have been Vicks But anyway, everybody thinks of the best, and it's funny because it, I've heard my father, and my father, my father's a pretty intellectual guy. I, right. I've always said my father is the smartest person that I know. But you know, his Cuban pride is his Cuban pride, and I heard him say that. Oh, because you know when Christopher Columbus landed on the shores of Cuba, he said it was the most beautiful place he'd ever been to. And I'm like, right, because I'm sure there's recollection and there's accounts of Christopher Columbus. Maybe he wrote a poem. You don't know. You don't know. Maybe the the collected works of Christopher Columbus. Right. Although nowadays people would want to raise it to the ground because, you know, he's a... Uh, savage. <laughs> Those damn Spanish conquistadors. They discovered the new land. How dare they? How dare they? <laughs> anyway, so I don't know why this reminded me of um, something else that came up on the news. It wasn't a major news story, but I thought maybe people would enjoy. So do you know 
you know the the brand and to our listeners we all know the brand ll bean right yes okay so do you know about ll beans the primo de ll cool j <laughs> no no right. primo no. cool j do you know about the return policy no okay so ll bean <clears throat> they have a they have a um like life Oh, okay. So return policy. Okay, okay. So if you lifetime guarantee, lifetime guarantee. That's the term I was looking for. Thank you. So if you bought something now, in twenty years after you've used it, if it did not work as it was walk in the store and they could get a new one, they will return it. No questions asked. Oh wow! And L.O. Bean has had this return policy for over a hundred years. Dang. Well, they are. They are. They're changing it. They're changing it because that. You la gente está abusando. And you know that that one part of my French, oh, son of a bitch, yeah. was returning. You know his ragged ass khakis. Oh, it was one his, of. It was one of our people, wasn't it? I don't know if it was one of our people, but you know, because I've they, seen people try to. Re- I've seen people not try to return. They've actually returned at Bath and Body Works. They have returned candles. Que ya lo que falta of the use is like maybe a centimeter and they're like no I didn't like how this smelled I'm like and you had to wait till the end of the goddamn candle or you to just figure that out it at the store and they returned their money and they let them take another candle wow <laughs> like yo you gotta have a face of granite okay that's beyond caradura <laughs> you know what I just saw like I just saw Esperanciomara <laughs> oh from eh, La Sauecera mm-hmm. que compró para la crisma she bought a bunch of uh, so que la hol- y la <laughs> a lot of holiday scented compró el balsam el, of, like, fur el, and peppermint uh-huh. you know all those holiday <laughs> smells and now that Christmas is over she's like ay mira <laughs> Yo no voy a esperar hasta el año que viene para usar esta vela. I'm not going to wait till next year to use this candle. No. Yo voy a cambiar. I'm just going to get a new one. And there she walks into the Bath and Body Works at Westland Mall in Hialeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> Very, that's that's the, uh, the Hispanic flagship. Okay, so I have to say a comment about Hialeah now that we're on it. And, you know, the name of our podcast is Pero, let me tell you. That's true. And, you know. So... <clears throat> For those of you who know Hialeah, there's those of you who know Hialeah and those of you who don't. <laughs> For those of you who know Hialeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So Hialeah is a, it's actually a city that's kind of like uh, an enclave, if you could imagine, of Miami. And um, in, back in the day, actually, Hialeah was a very affluent area. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had the, the very race, white, very white and affluent presence used to go there. Actually, Casey from Casey and the Sunshine Band, he, from he's from Hialeah. Okay, well, there we yeah. go. So in the 1950s, when Cubans started coming to Miami, for one reason or another, they all ended up in Hialeah. Todo mundo terminó Hialeah, I don't know. So uh, Hialeah is by no means a bad neighborhood. You're not going to get mugged or anything in Hialeah, but it, it, it became well, a no, very, more so than any other neighborhood. It became a very industrialized um, city. There was a lot of factories, a lot of it, it, very industrialized, and a lot of apartments. It's predominantly apartments. So there's a lot of train tracks in and a lot of train. Tra- well, well, the Hialeah track, the Florida East Coast Railway, has a, a main hub in Hialeah. Okay, I feel like every time, like the handful of times that I've had to drive into Hialeah, I go over more train tracks per square mile than anywhere else. So Hialeah, there. you know, for us people who are regional, are it, it's very much a. Um, it's the butt of a jokes. You know, people yeah. don't want to be from Hialeah. People if you're going there, you should make sure to take your passport. Right. People say that the Constitution ends in Hialeah. There's <laughs> there's the next town over of Hialeah is Miami Lakes, which is a very... Yeah, very nice. 
very nice area. It's actually very affluent. Uh, Don Shula lives there. Yes. It's a it's a beautiful neighborhood. And because it's so close to Hialeah, a lot of times people confuse it too. And people are very quick to correct you. I am not from Hialeah. But okay, the people that will correct you if they say they're from Hialeah Gardens. Right. So the point was that when I was up in, in law school in Michigan, a lot of my friends that um, that that um, obviously were not from Florida, I would tell them about Hialeah. And I'm like, oh my God, it's like this crazy place. And 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 it, it, it's it's very, very complex in terms of the demographics. And, and it, nobody wants to be from there. And it's the butt of all the jokes. And... And so know, on and so forth. So on and so forth. So one day we we're in constitutional law, and all of a sudden, because you know we were reading cases that in constitutional law that right. you read and cases affected the whole nation. You read cases <clears throat> that are held by the Supreme Court of the United States, right, and become law. Right. And it was the city of Hialeah versus the Church of Babaluache or whatever. And I was like, Oh dear God! I was like, Oh my God! Hialeah made it into my con law class. Llegó chango a la clase de la ley. De la ley. De la ley. In Michigan. Vaya santiguando de ahí en el medio de Michigan. I remember one of my friends from law school, she looked at me, she's like, is that the Hialeah you're talking about? I'm like, oh my God, it is. Of course it is. Of course it is. Of course it is. Why wouldn't it be? And basically, you know what it was about? It was a city of Hialeah, which is actually constitutionally in terms it's a, it's of it's freedom of, law. of religion, right? It was a, case, just, yeah. uh, the city of Hialeah suing or trying um, to stop uh, churches that uh, practice santeria to sacrifice animals. And right. guess what? The Babaluache Church they won. won. They won. Yeah, yeah, the church won. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, so that's another little factoid for yeah, yeah. our listeners out there. So, have we reached our last Coke? I think it's time. I think, I think it's, it's time, time for us to. I, I I went first last time, so this time you go first. No, you go first because I just gave a whole spiel about Hialeah. Oh Lord, how do I go after Hialeah? Oh no. <laughs> um. So you know, I was actually trying to think who would I have uh, as my last Coke this week, and I'm gonna go ahead and give it to a fellow podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, called and you guys should definitely everybody should follow them it's called Us the Wanderers it's this couple uh, Adriana and Gio and full disclosure I know them personally um, I used to work with Adriana and we work in advertising together in that world but it's their podcast talking about their travel adventures about a couple I think it was about a year ago now or so they actually just took like a sabbatical year and they went off on their own for a year and just lived in all of uh, Asia and the Australia region. Oh my god, that's awesome! Taking up you know odd jobs and things like that. And so they've and I actually was one of the people I would tell them, like you guys have to start a blog, you have to start something. And so they've actually started a podcast as well. And they are phenomenal. They're a married couple. They're young. They have just this phenomenal chemistry. I have told her that I could listen to Gio talk for hours because his voice is so soothing that I want to just like... Oh, so all the opposite of us. The opposite of us. Yeah. Well, she's very, you know, anim- and they're both animated, but his voice is very soothing. Um, so if you have that opportunity, please do check them out. It's us, the Wanderers. They are on Instagram as that name, and they're also available on iTunes, as are we now. Yes. Actually, as of this recording, we just got accepted, and so we'll be posting that link as well. We're on iTunes, people. We're on iTunes. I, you know, when you told me this morning that we had made it onto iTunes, <laughs> you know, I, I I gotta say, I was it was it was it felt, I felt quite accomplished. Yeah, like two two kids from Westchester. We joined the evil empire. Iron. We're part of the evil empire. Aww, well, we well, you know me. I've always yeah, the dark side has cookies, dark side. So I never care to be a yeah. Jedi. But anyway, that's <laughs> that's a whole other conversation for a whole other podcast. podcast. So. 
So yeah, so my last Coke of the Desert goes to Us the Wanderers, and I can't recommend them enough. Actually, I won't, I, I've talked about this, but I would love to actually have them on eventually, mm-hmm. because I think it would be interesting to understand two Cuban kids. I mean, they're, I know Adri was born in Cuba, I don't know about Gio, traveling that part of the world, having grown right. up in Miami. I would love to get that perspective so of what was it like. predominantly like the East in terms of like... They were like in Thailand, the Philippines, they were in Australia, I think New Zealand. They, okay. I mean, they were like, and they were taking odd jobs as well. Okay. So it's not just like, oh, we have this money and we're going to go travel. No, it was like... They a went, whole year. A whole, it was a year and change, I think. And That's awesome. And that, they lived with... Like with their with, means. with the culture, no, and they took odd jobs, and they were right. like, they were heading. They were, I think they were overseeing some camp in the middle of like a forest somewhere, or like as a as a method of payment for like a month, or right. I mean, just really, really. That great. is really awesome. That that's one yeah. of those things that like I envy when people in a way oh, do that, that they're able to really disconnect from their life and 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 everything and just go out and do that because that's what people always say they want to do but they never do yeah and they so. did it wow my coke's to you too yeah <laughs> that's awesome so. Um, my last coke of the desert. My 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 last coke of the desert is a little bit um, more um, well complex in the sense that I don't know the guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that'll do it. But it's a little bit multi-layered, especially in the times that we live in. So my last coke of the desert goes to Hamdi Uklaya, and you're probably thinking, and I may have mispronounced. I want name. you to say that three times fast. Hamdi Uklaya. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to make his last name sound Spanish. Ulcaya. <laughs> Mira, Hamdi Ulcaya. Ese es el primo de Lupita. Eres de, de Oriente. De por, oriente. Eso número, por eso el, el, el nombre no suena en Martínez o Sánchez. Hamdi Ulcaya es de Oriente. Y por eso es un poquitico más oscuro. Es un poco oscuro, pero tú sabes. Okay. Él es buena gente. He's, he's, good, good, people. Good, people. he's good people. Anyway, Hamdi Ulcaya really is um, good people. Okay. And again, I may be very much mispronouncing his name. But he's somebody who's worthy of a shout out. He is the president and founder of Chobani Yogurt. Oh, the yogurt. Okay. Yogurt. So I don't need to tell you, our listeners, about Chobani Yogurt because Chobani Yogurt immortal. currently, actually, I didn't know this, Chobani uh, Yogurt currently has over 50% of the market share in yogurts. Really? Did you know that? I, I thought it, I was, it would be Yo Plate or Danone. Or Danone, yeah. Yeah, no, it's. Chobani. They've come a long way. Um, they uh, were established in 1997, and at that one point, they held 1% of the market share. Now they have over 50. Don't wow. you remember when we were in New York in 2008 that we were in Central Park and they were giving Chobani yogurt for free? No. Yes. But I'm sure it happened because you remember things that I don't. No, it, no, 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 no. We were there. Not, they were yeah. giving Chobani. This was in 2008, so it was 10 years ago. Wow. And they were giving it for free. And I remember thinking, oh, this is some cool yogurt. And I remember even asking, is this only going to be available in New York? And then obviously they went national. Um, So why is he my last Coke of the Desert? So the guy has a remarkable story that I think that everybody should know. And in this age of anti-immigration sentiment and and going back and forth on who should be in this country or not, I think he's a great story. He um, came to the U.S. from Turkey when he was in his 20s. And in Turkey, he came from a family of... um, Dairy farmers. Okay. So he had an experience. Right. right. He had a background and, and all that. And, you know, when he came here, he had absolutely nothing. He had no relatives, no money. He worked odd jobs. And one thing led to another. And he purchased this old yogurt plant in upstate New York that had been abandoned by Kraft. And this whole plant was being sold for $700,000. And he somehow or another got a loan right. of a million dollars 
to buy the plant and then the rest of the money to start up the business okay and hire local people and that's where chobani came from oh. and he was doing it in this plant okay and his whole thing was that it was this was in a very small community of course anybody who wanted a job Couple show up for him just show, show up, up and, and you, you got a job. job and that's where chobani came from as he grew and he became more popular, mm-hmm. um, I'm saying more powerful, and you know the market share of Chobani started getting right. bigger. He opened up a second operations in um, Schenectady. I- no, in I Iowa. Say in Iowa, was it Iowa or Idaho? It was one of the two, either Iowa or Idaho. Um, I'm so sorry that I confused <laughs> Iowa and Idaho, but it was one of the to two. To our listeners in Iowa and Idaho, we know they're different states. So he, oh, I know, but I can't remember now if it was Iowa Idaho. But he opened up like the state of the art. Um, okay, I got He grew the business. Plant over there. He grew the business. And part of his whole thing was that while he, in, in Iowa, I mean, this plant is enormous. Mm-hmm. While he hired a lot of local people, he also made it a point to hire immigrants. Okay. Right, so a lot of people that were fleeing like Syria and you know the Middle East, uh, the the Middle Eastern crisis and okay. the humanitarian crisis were fleeing to the U.S. He hired these people. These people had jobs. He pays over the minimum wage, okay. and you know now he takes care of he them. takes care of them. Correct. So I think it's a remarkable story. He was doing something good for not only his the American communities but for immigrant communities. These were all people who right. wanted a, a fair shot, and unfortunately for him. When he started doing that, and I think this is this is worthy of saying, talking heads like Alex Jones from um, Infowars, Infowars, who's a don't even start me on Alex. He's a special Jones, type of human being. You know, started saying that he was hiring rapists and murderers who were immigrants, and you know, he was taking jobs away mm-hmm. from American people. And this is what people like Alex Jones does. He spits this out. They to, trade in, in in sensationalism to the general best. public, but it's not even sensationalism. At best, I'm saying at, 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 at the best, it's, it's sensationalism. It's just not. It, it's not. It's not true. So he was spitting this out to the general public. The general public was eating it. And it was, I mean, that's a form of manipulation because it's certainly not true. So this guy held true to his word and he took Alex Jones to court. Alex Jones, they had to settle out of court. And Alex Jones retracted his statement because this guy put his money where his mouth was. And when he was defending himself in court, he showed data of his workers. He showed how many American workers he had. He had receipts, mama. (laughs) He still had, you know, predominantly American workers. And he, you know, the immigrant workers he did have were good people. No, no history of crime, nothing. So he shut Alex Jones up. So I thought he was somebody that, you know, he's one of those people that we should definitely know about because he, not only does he produce yummy yogurt, I don't know about you, but I love Chobani yogurt. So I'm not a fan of yogurt in general. But I I mean, but I'm I'm a fan of Chobani now. And you know, it's funny because I I feel like I didn't know his name, but I had heard something about about him. Oh, the yogurt, the yogurt, I couldn't even tell you which yogurt company it was, but I'm like, oh, the yogurt company, yeah, that they hire immigrants and and something or other. So I, I, I have a lot of Chobani yogurt because first of all, a lot of times Publix has it on sale for like ten for ten dollars, <laughs> and it is really good. And they have a lot of protein. They have thirteen grams of protein. Damn, that's for, a lot of protein. Yes, that's like a breast of chicken. You know what? When I'm whatever lifting or whatever, I need all the protein I could get. So, oh, Lord, it's hard to ins- consume two hundred sixty-five grams of protein. Anyway, that's another story. So, my coke is to Hamdi Ulka from Chobani. And I'm we hope pre- we're, we're not saying your name incorrectly. I'm mispronouncing your name, but I just want to let sentiment. you know that you're appreciated, and you, sir. Although from Turkey, you are what an American embodies. Damn so. right. With that note, 
Well, I guess, you, I you made, we made it through episode three. Episode three. So if you made it this far, thank you so much for the support. We definitely have a lot more where this came from. Yeah. And and if you're enjoying what you're hearing, you know, like I said earlier, we are on iTunes. Feel free to jump on iTunes and leave us a review. Um, mm-hmm. Feel free to leave us five stars. It, mm-hmm. We'll be very happy. Our podcasts are Yelp. I don't know if they're in Yelp, but um, I mean, hey, if anybody wants to start a Yelp page for us, I'll I'll take it. Let's do it. Um, also, feel free to follow us on Instagram at Pero Let Me Tell You. We also have a Facebook page, uh, the same name. And actually, you know what? If you want to reach out to us and just let us know your thoughts or anything you know you think we should talk about, we also have uh, an email account. It's Pero Let Me Tell Pero Let Me Podcast at gmail.com. So feel free to reach out to us in all these venues. Pero I mean, Let Me Podcast. If there's one thing we know about our, our listeners, particularly Hispanic ones, is that no tienen pelo en la lengua. No so that tongue. you can definitely let us know your thoughts. And anyway, until then. So let's grab a pastelito, a croqueta, and your jupiña. I think I'm going to rip that open right let's now. Let's call it a day. Thank you, everybody, for listening. All right, guys. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.